Okay. Alright, I'm about to start it. Hello, and welcome to 1000 Mics. To begin your transmission, please press the star key. You are now live on air. Hello everyone, this is broadcast number 21 of Indie Radio. As always, we're excited to be on air. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show, which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser-known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and to give you some tips and tricks for your journey into programming. I'm your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. I'm a co-host, Ian Jones, broadcasting live from the Eastern United States. I still need somebody to save me. <laughs> and uh, with us today, we have Overreacts' Connor Hart. Hey, how you doing? And Alan Webster. Hello. <laughs> Alright, uh, we're going to be having an interview with them after the news today. Um, our setup is news, interview, then of course our IRC chat, which is again on the irc.afternet.org network, and it's simply the Indie Function channel. Um, if you're having troubles getting on there or whatever, we also have a link on our um, Twitter, so check that out if you're having problems. So first up, we have Yo-Yo Games Out and About. It's an article on the Game Maker blog. Um, basically, Yo-Yo Games will be attending several game festivals and conferences this year, including Casual Connect in Hamburg. Um, that actually happened earlier this month. Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which will be happening later this month. Uh, game Developers Conference in San Francisco, March. And the game Games Britiana Festival in Sheffield uh, out in July. So Yo-Yo Games is definitely going to be pushing uh, their HTML5 game maker into a lot of these conferences and uh, trying to get their name out. So that'll be interesting. Um, Ian, you can probably talk about this a little bit too, but uh, Mojang is having the Humble Bundle Mojam. So basically Mojang and the Humble Indie Bundle teamed up this weekend, and in three days, Mojang is making a game that we got to vote on. And I can't add up how many votes there are in my head, but at least 100,000 people voted, and the theme is steampunk, with the genre being real-time strategy. And they have 72 hours to create the game, and... <clears throat> If you b donate to the Humble Indie Bundle, you obviously get the game at the end. And two other games that are mystery games, they called it. So that'll be interesting. The the introduction video was kind of fun to watch. Mojang's really good at making videos, I don't know why. They're just fun to watch. <laughs> and then on related news, 
uh, Mojang is releasing Minecraft Legos. Yes, you heard me. Minecraft Legos. That, that was probably their best video that they've made so far. But, um, there's just itty bitty Legos, and you get, it's $35 USD, and then you get, looks like probably 200 pieces, and then a little Minecraft Steve minifigure, and a Creeper minifigure. Do you think you'll be getting it, Ian? Ian? Of course. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Alright, uh, Tulalu. We did an interview with the creator of that a while back, uh, SilentWorks. And basically, we just wanted to let people know that he's still working on it. Uh, alongside with his um, teammate, who is... God, who's his teammate again? Do you know, Ian? Know. I can't think of it. Um, this is going to bother me. But on February 7th, he released a new version for Windows 1.2.8, and then on February 3rd, he released a new Linux version. So it is still being updated, and it does seem quite nice. Uh, it's an alternative to UU Games Game Maker HTML5, a free alternative, of course. And uh, it's one of many different tools that you can use right now. Jumping over to... Kind of it, even though I haven't ever used it, I mean, just looking at it and people's reactions to it, um, it seems like a really good idea and everything, and the fact that, you know, he's just doing this for free and everything, it's very nice to the community. And also, working on Linux and everything, uh, since Windows died for me for a while there, it's kind of nice to see something that, you know, would be familiar, even though it works on Linux and everything. Mm -hmm. So... I fully support Tudu. Over at the Skira blog, their well, their website was redone, but I think I talked about that in the last radio show. But on February fifteenth, they talked about um, how or they talked about their winter plans and how they went, you know, according to it, not according to it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But construct two games around mobile. Um, they have Play Moby installed on that. Um, <laughs> construct two, etc., etc. So if you want to read up about that, it's on their blog. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I'd pretty much just be talking about what they've done over the winter, which we've talked about over the progress of the radio show, of course. So if you guys want to find that, uh, it's skier.com/blog. And it was written by Ashley. Over at Unity, Unite 12 will be happening in Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Holland. And it's going to be taking place August 21st to August 24th. There's a training day, August 21st. Unite 12 Core Conference, August 22nd to 24th. And the Unite 12 Party, August 23rd. Um, their introduction is, if you are passionate about creating high-quality 3D co content with Unity and have a drive to learn more, work smarter, and achieve goals more efficiently, then make sure that you attend Unite 12. Tickets are available on their website. Just go to unity3d.com slash unite. And then, if you buy your tickets now, you can save 15%. And they do 
claim that discounted tickets are limited, so make sure that you buy ASAP if you want to go. Um, I'm going to actually check out how much the tickets even are. Brian, I really need to, you know, try Unity again because I feel totally incompetent whenever we're talking about it. <laughs> Unity's pretty nice. Uh, I used it a while back, and my friend gave me a pro license, but I forgot to register it, and then he accidentally gave it to another friend. But, um... <laughs> Um, I did try out the trial, the 30-day trial of the Pro, and it was, it was definitely cool. Um, there, I feel that there needs to be more tutorials out there for it, but... Well, I mean, yeah. Congregate's massive, and that, you know, supports Unity, so mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, you at least have Congregate doing it, that gets you quite a bit of an audience. Um... I tried the free version and that was it, but my main problem is just with any 3D, I'm bad enough at graphics already in 2D, so trying to model and texture and all that other crap does not go very well for me. So that's why I'm just not worrying about 3D until I have some artist or something I can work with. Mm -hmm. um, the Unite 12 tickets, the early bird registration is $340 with a $20 fee, and the Unity training day only, which is just the first day of course. Um, that that's a hundred dollars with a six and a half dollar fee. So it is a bit pricey, but then again, everything's pricey. Save fifteen percent right now. Yeah, because normal price is four hundred dollars with a twenty-two dollar fee. Bleh. I don't have that kind of money. I wish I did. <laughs> Game salad zero point nine point nine one. Apparently. Let's see. <laughs> Read through this. Yay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a really long post. Yeah, I know. I'm just skimming it. Mm -hmm. But okay, uh, Game so Salad... Recently, they've added two very powerful new features to Game Salad. Uh, but that was the last version. Do -do -do, I'm retarded. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, there's the first two monetiz monetiz is I hate saying that. Monetization. Monetization. Annoying word. Um, partners. Kip and Playhaven. And also, uh, the latest version removes the splash screen for basic members. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what the entire post is about, I suppose. Yep. So, if you enjoy Game Salad, go make some money off it. <laughs> um, yeah, Game Salad's been around for quite a while. I'm not sure exactly how long, but I'm pretty sure it came out about the same time that we started Indie Function last... God, what was it, June? May? Something like that. But uh, yeah. they're, they're still, they still don't have version 1.0 out, which I think is quite interesting. But it just means that, like with Minecraft, version 1 is going to be totally fucking amazing. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Pretty much. Build the suspense. Well, let's hope so. Oh, man. I was just looking at the uh, their little splash screen at the beginning or whatever on their homepage. And I saw an iPad. I had a dream last night that my school was giving away iPads, and I was so happy. But mine broke. Anyway, back on topic. Um, game Salad still being updated as well, and I hope that they come out with a version 1.0 soon. I so hope they come out with a version on Windows. Unless they already have, in which case they feel retarded, but <laughs> last night I checked, it's only on Mac. Yeah. Or at least for making apps, so that kind of bugs me. But, oh well. Um, stencil. Stencil Works 2.0. Uh, 
Um, Stencilworks has been doing a lot of posts about their new Stencilworks 2.0, which came out a while back. And these posts basically talk about new things. They've had um, seven parts now. First one was Stencilworks 2.0 and plans for 2012, uh, the event system, Stencilpedia, better block picking, behavior library, trash can, and now the newest one is import slash export resources. Which, which looks pretty freaking awesome. It's kind of like with HTML5 drag and drop, how uh, if you notice on newer websites, like I think Dropbox and whatnot, you can just drag a file from like your computer, like Windows Explorer or something, you can drag it onto the web page and it uploads it automatically or whatever. Well, they basically did that with the uh, actual like resources and stuff. So you can have a folder open and just drag it over into the uh, into Stencilworks, and it will load it in automatically. So I always think that's very convenient. But I'm assuming you can also, since it says export resources, yeah, you can export resources, and therefore I guess you keep all the uh, settings and stuff you set for it. Hopefully collisions and everything too, because that would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. I haven't used stencil in forever. Hey, where's the Nintendo? Sorry, my little brother came in. <laughs> Told him to stay out! <sighs> well, he got his second of fame on the radio, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, I was looking at Gamma Sutra, and Unity 3.5 update was released on Valentine's Day, it looks like. Or possibly a few days before, and they just decided to comment about it on Valentine's Day. But they said it's the biggest update to date. Um, I'm just going to skim through the topic quick. There are over 800,000 registered users with Unity. That's pretty crazy, because if you think about it, um, statistically-wise, or whatever the word is for that... Um, not many people are going to be actually registering with Unity, you know, getting the pro version. Unless that's both light and pro. Either way, they have a lot of members. <laughs> um, yet the latest update uh, has a new highly optimized Shuriken particle system that allows developers to have complete control over visual effects. There's new improvements to the AI pathfinding, new multi-threaded render for light, <coughs> light, lighting. I have no idea why I just had difficulty. We're saying really that. good at pronouncing things today, by the way. We're really good, yay! Um, Google Chrome native client deployment yep. with NACL. I love calling it NACL just because, or sodium chloride, whatever. <laughs> Basically, that's awesome. Uh, so there's linear space lighting and HDR, which I'm going to pretend I know what it means, and a lot more. So yeah, if you want to uh, find out more about that, you can read up on Gamma Sutra. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the Indie Royale bundle. Ah, the Valentine's Day bundle, right? Yep. They released their Valentine's Day bundle. I gotta open it up. I decided to accidentally link us to an announcement about it, rather than the bundle itself. Uh, they have Smart. they have four games and a bonus. The four games are Xenoclash, Horde, Loom, and Soulcaster 2, with the bonus being Soulcaster 1. Gasp. So that's kind of interesting. 23,708 bundles sold so far. 
Nice. It's nowhere near the Humble Indie Bundle, but... Oh. Oh. Wait a second. Now I feel stupid. I'm gonna blame Brad. Uh-oh. It's already... Yeah. I do believe it's already finished. Which means there's no point in reporting this, except oh. for the fact <laughs> that it was successful. It is over. Hey. Well, that was a rather short one. Um, they do have an upcoming bundles pack thing or majig on their website. You know? Uh, in one week, they're having the Alpha Fund Pack, which sounds like they're going to be showing alphas of games that you can fund towards the development. That's pretty obvious. And then the St. Patrick's Day Bundle will be in four weeks, and then there's the Surprise Lightning Pack, which is to be announced, but it looks like well, there's Obviously, it's something to do with lightning. They just totally gave it away. Pretty much. They need some lessons, obviously. Um, okay. Then, oh look, Game Maker Community staff changes. Um, quite possibly one of the most active moderators there, Nocturne, is now retired. Guess. And at first, you know, I was thinking, why did he retire? You know, he was so active and stuff. I'm like, did he just get overwhelmed or what? Um, upon doing a little research, I found out that he's actually working for Yo-Yo Games now, and thus, due to some rule, he can't be a moderator on the GMC anymore. So, that's kind of sad. But there's an official Nocturne leaving topic called GMC Staff Changes, so if you want to wish him farewell and hope that his Yo-Yo Games... Um, experience goes well. You can talk to that. It's a very sad day for the GMC. Anyway. The final news topic would be the Indie Game Music Bundle 2. Uh, for, you, the, for those of you... Yeah, I said that right. That don't know, the Indie Game Music Bundle 2 is very self-explanatory. You get soundtracks from indie games... And you can pay anything from a dollar up. And I have bought the... Well, I bought the first one, and then I bought this one. The first one had ten tracks with seven bonus, and this one looks like it has six tracks. Um, whoa, twelve bonus! And then you can get the first one as long as you pay five dollars or more. And then, of course, the bonus are ten dollars or more. I'm not sure if the rules are still the same, but with the first one, every time you bought a bundle, you got 20 downloads of it. So I bought three of them last time and got 60, but the soundtracks are The Aquaria, Sword and Sorcery, To the Moon, Jamestown Mach Machinerarium, I can't talk, and then the Indie Mashup EP, which sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think the bundles are getting a little ridiculous because you can't bundle this much awesomeness into a bundle. It's just not <laughs> possible. So I think really they're starting to you know lie about saying it's a bundle and yeah, conspiracies, man, conspiracies. Um, I think that's all for news. I can't find Gasp. anything else. Slash news. Um, we're Red gonna bracket. make up some news. Um, notch is breathing. I don't know. Anyway. Gasp. The Indie Game Music Bundle 2 uh, has two days, four hours, 38 minutes, and 44 seconds left as of right now on the radio show. 
So if you're going to buy it, you're probably going to want to buy it soon. And uh, if you already paid, you can get a link sent to your email in case you've lost it, which is quite nice. And uh, if anyone wants it but doesn't have money, send us a link on or send us a message on Twitter and I'll send it your way. Um, next up, we have our interview with Overreacts Connor Hart and Alan Webster. <laughs> So with us today, of course, we have Connor Ullman, or not Connor Ullman, sorry, Connor Hart and Alan <laughs> Webster. Oh, that's terrible. Sweet. <laughs> that was a terrible message. Good introduction. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no problem. I get Connor Ullman all the time. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no, it was just, my mouth went before I could talk, and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> totally understandable. All right, so, so uh, yeah. I'm guessing not everyone on or listening right now has heard of you guys. Um, if they've been listening to us since we began, they probably have. But um, for those people who don't know who you are, um, why don't you introduce yourself quick? Tell us a little about the game you're working on. All right. Um, for starters, my name's Connor Hart. I'm, I play many roles on the React team. I'm the lead designer. I do concept art. I'm actually into doing the animations now um, and a lot of the project management. Um, and here with me is um, another pretty crucial member on the team. Uh, hi, I'm yeah, I'm Alan. Uh, I have been I've been uh, Connor's programmer, kind of following him around, working on uh, what are games we come up with together, and on the current game of Shaping Sail, we've been, um, or I've been organizing the, the programming team, um, keeping everybody motivated, keeping the project working together, uh, that kind of managing the programming part of the team deal, and doing some and, programming uh, myself, of course. And um, for Overreact as a whole, we're we're about twelve members strong right now, um, with you know many different programmers and artists and designers um, that all came together over the internet. So um, maybe about ten percent of the team is like works aside from using the internet, but that's mainly because there are a few of my friends, um, and that's basically what our team, how our our team works, and. To describe a Shapian's Tale, I guess, you know, I can just, it's its an MMORPG for any anybody who, you know, follows big MMO games. This is a pretty big one coming up that we're working on, and it's about teamwork, um, and, like, the way it works is we have these shapes. We have circles, triangles, and squares, and they, you play as them. Those are the characters, and they all have different abilities um, that you can use to, like, work together in solving puzzles and fighting enemies and so on and so forth, doing huge quests and 
and everything like that. But it's it's pretty pretty unique game. A lot of the features um, you you would find in other games, but the way we elaborate on our features is pretty unique compared to other games. And that's basically. It. How long have you guys even been working on this game now? It's been a long time. Well, I kind of went at when we talked about the, um, we talked about the development. It's kind of split up into two eras, right? You have, like, the, the whole planning, we think we could make it era, and then the, all right, let's make this era. So, basically, um, in, in April of 2009, we it was started the, uh, the whole, you know, let's, we think we can make this era and that started on video games forums um when i first started making video games really i was using game maker um yeah and that didn't go well for about you know two two and a half years we didn't really get anything going and then uh, as of december of last year or no two years ago because or one year ago was is it one year ago now? We um, it would be December. It would have been like December of two thousand ten. Ten. Yes. Yeah. So December two thousand ten is when we decided that we would start really making the game, and like we we were using C plus plus then, and a year later, a little a year and a month later, we are almost ready to release a demo, which is going to lead into the alpha, which will be public. It's insane how much work you guys have put in, and I'm really glad that you guys are so devoted to it, and you guys haven't given up like many people would have. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, when they see the game, they're like, "Oh, well, well, how how is it? So, how are you like still working on it? And like, is it that like, why is the game that big? And like, and, and I don't know. It's not really a big game. I mean, it's a huge game. Don't get me wrong, but like the the basis of the game isn't very very big actually. Like me and Alan have discussed it in the last few weeks. And we realize that the game isn't very big. It's just we kind of like expand on a lot of the stuff we do. Um. So, jeez, uh, what's this whole scroll crafting that you guys posted on your blog a while back? Ah, scroll crafting. So, in a shaving tale, we have like a few of these different types of crafting that you can do. Not a few, actually. Pretty pretty widespread. You can do you can do crafting of equipment, you can do crafting of recipes, and um, one of, another type of crafting would be scrolls. So, making scrolls is like, scrolls and magic are completely separate. So, magic that comes from the, your character isn't done using a scroll. A scroll is kind of like um, magic for people who aren't naturally magic gifted. You know what I mean? Like, they can just mm -hmm. read the scroll off and a spell, but the thing is, is the way this, the crafting works is with this system of um, you have the paper and then you have attributes, and then you connect these attributes on the scroll, like on the paper, in, in order to cast something. So all the attributes they make up like there's three, there's four different columns that you can have. You have the casting column, the element column, the manifest column. And then the uh, final one, which is the impact column. And each one of these plays is like a timeline. So every attribute you place, like the first column is casting. That's the first part of the spell that, that runs. So it just runs from left to right. Um, and you basically have all these different attributes you can put together and make really cool combinations. Uh, um, Connor, did we post, yeah. um, did we ever post the actual prototype 
um, like the game itself? I don't think we did actually. I think we just held off on doing that. We just wanted to, but we can. I mean, yeah, I said we much. should we should post that um, when we're done here, so people can check that out. Yeah. All right. So for some of your little projects that go along with this, I, there's two projects that I'm thinking of right now. One, you guys talked about a humble AST bundle a while back. Um, is yeah. that still a possibility? I think it's still it's still a possibility, but we're not really sure how we're going to work it into the schedule. With like we have we have a lot planned out in the next few months for the game, um, and uh, this weekend we're we're going to be releasing the, a demo. Uh, we like we were hoping on it being this this like day, but it ended up getting a little pushed back, as always. So like a lot of our things are planned out on specific dates. And throwing in a, a, hum, a humble bundle kind of like time period is, is a little hard to fit in, but if we can do it, I, I think it would be it'd be pretty beneficial. Yeah, I can see that going well because some people donate like five thousand dollars to the bundles. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you guys would be loaded. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a, a lot of them, we need a lot of the money to pay for not even just things for equipment. You know, I mean, it's like licensing and getting trademarks and copyrights and all of that. Um, so, like, make all the donations that we can get. <laughs> and then the second one is your Kickstarter bundle. Uh, not Kickstarter bundle. Kickstarter project, I'm sorry. Uh, how's Hold that going along? Alan can explain that one. Okay, so the Kickstarter project has actually been a plan for a long time. We've talked about it, worked on it. Uh, but we obviously want to have a great video. That's what you do on Kickstarter is you put up a nice-looking video. And we were... Well, for the deal is that we make games all the time. So making a video was something that was always just like... It was a drag. We didn't necessarily know exactly how to make it look best and everything. Um, but we are planning on starting the Kickstarter, I think, next weekend with the demo release, right, Connor? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we were... Like, we were planning on doing the Kickstarter and the demo this weekend, but mm -hmm. now we're probably going to have to do it next weekend. At the same point, they're doing right. it at the same time. So, so we've worked out... Um, do you think I should t give any hints on what we're doing for the video? Or? Yeah, yeah, why don't you just like, explain maybe... Do you want to hear about a few of the rewards? Yeah, do that, do that. You know the rewards better than I do. Okay, <laughs> alright, well, um... We're, I, I guess I can only go... I'll go over a few, um... So we have about like five or six rewards that that you can get for um, backing our project, our Kickstarter campaign, um, and they all range from like uh, one dollar. Obviously, you don't get a reward for that, but five dollars, I think, is the lowest where you get a reward. Um, and with that, you get like a thank you letter, you know, saying thanks. Like this is all because of you. You you know helped us, and it's awesome. You feel you feel good about yourself. Um, <laughs> And then moving down into something, I guess I'll, I'll go to like the um, the hundred package just because that's something that you know has a lot of really cool stuff. So the hundred dollar package is what we call the Almighty package, and you get all the King things, which includes all the things for that and so on. So you get everything, um, and then you get an NPC named and designed by you. You get a limited edition copy of the game and all the releases that come afterwards. Um, and you get a personal call from one of us through the phone or Skype, as well as free DLC for your lifetime. <laughs> and 
Like that's that's pretty good for a hundred dollars because a lot of things are gonna add up and it's just a lot cheaper than it would be if you didn't do that. Uh, Brian Fetcher asks, why not open a subscription system? Uh, well, this. Ah oh, man, um, I don't know. Like, do you mean like subscription as in like like how well does it? Or like, or something else? I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, monthly, yeah, like monthly payment. I, I don't know. Like, WoW does that, and it it, it it makes me want to just find the developers and just throw them in a hole because <laughs> I really hate subscription-based uh, gaming. It's just really annoying. I don't know. Like, it it's pretty cool in some aspects. It made it, it's good money-wise. Obviously, you know, we would get a good mo- amount of money out of it because people would want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I feel like the players don't. They don't deserve having to pay every month for the game. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that we talked about, we talked about this a while back. We worked out what we believe exactly as far as, you know, what's best for making our games and stuff. And in one sense, we thought that uh, a part of the problem with having a something where uh, the full game has to be played, but you have to pay for the full game. Uh, every month, is that that would inspire us to make our game addicting. If if you if it's a game you literally are like grinding to play, and all those things that people dislike about certain uh, bland MMOs, where you're just doing the same thing over and over again because you've got yourself addicted to the game, that's how we would make a lot of money, and that's why a lot of MMOs tend that way because they're subscription based. So, what part of the reason we tend away from that is just so that we don't even have to worry about keeping them hooked if they want to put the game down they're clear to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we have Zargi, a.k.a. Uh, Chris, joining Hi. with us. I feel like that's backwards. He's Chris, but you might know him as Zargi. I, I'm trying to think of a <laughs> yeah. question to ask. I'll just um, I'll just stay muted until I have one. Alright. Alright, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Ah. So, uh, do you guys have any um, goals or um, uh, what are they called? Um, <laughs> expectations. Expectations. No. The Fine, guys over at Blambeer had it for their iOS release of of uh, Super Crate Box. You know the how they wanted to reach four thousand crates or whatever. What was that called? Oh, you mean like milestones? Yeah, milestones. That's the word. <laughs> There's the word. Um, I mean, like, are you saying that through our Kickstarter project, are we gonna have milestones or? Uh, mostly uh, just with the game, like overall. Like, like, how long do you think it'll I, take you to reach ten thousand users or whatever? Oh man, I don't. I really don't know how. I mean, because the way the internet is today, you know, like it could be ten thousand users by the next morning after I release it, or it could be ten thousand users in three years. Um, <laughs> so like, it's it's really it's hard to to say. I mean, I I really hope that within the first year. Um, I mean, this is after we release, like after we start the storyline, which will be an alpha. Um, I think maybe after the first two years, you know, we can have a. a Pretty high amount of users, probably close to that number. But uh, I don't really know. I don't want to. I don't want to expect something and be proved wrong and disappointed. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's understandable. 
But I'm, I don't know. I think it's I think it's possible that we could have ten thousand players in within the you know first year if, if we do our if we play our cards right. So. And I can't, I can't think of anything else. Ian, do you have any more questions, or Chris, or Brian, who's just sending us text chat messages? Uh, I'm <laughs> trying to think. And it's the weekend, so this isn't going very well for me. <laughs> it's the weekend. <laughs> Pretty much. I feel like this is the easiest time to think. Okay, well, here's something uh, that I kind of enjoy talking about. Um, part of the... I don't know if you... I don't know how many people listening have saw the, uh, or heard the, uh, interview we did a while back, but back then we had just recently been working on a demo too, and the new one basically looked like the same, or very similar thing. The reason that we kind of had, um, a setback there, in a, in a sense a setback, was that we all decided we wanted to add uh, a scripting language, specifically Lua, into the mix, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, one thing uh, some of us are more comfortable developing in Lua, but more interestingly, uh, we are going to let um, let mod. We, we're going to allow. Um, I don't know how to exactly phrase it, but through the Lua, uh, we can have user mods, which is something we'd like to see a lot of as the game gets bigger. So that's um, that's part of the reason that we kind of had a setback was we wanted to mix in that Lua yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. No, and branching off, branching off of that, um, I think. You know, allowing us to, you know, when we when we put Lua in there, we're we're allowing mods, and the way that's going to work is we're going to have like a server um, program that you can you can buy. Obviously, it would cost more than if you just bought the, the game or the client, whatever you want to call it. Um, but when you buy your own server, you can literally restart the story that we've already you know had planned out, and you can just do it with like maybe 64 people only in the, in the world where, you know, you can keep going up with the amount of people. But you have your own server, which is pretty cool. Um, but what this means is that players can really call mods and then basically build the world after we're already done kind of doing our our business. Like, they can just keep the world going because they're, they're always adding on different mods and expansions that, of their own. Mm -hmm. Now... Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry if this has been uh, asked before, I just got on, but what programming language do you primarily use? Okay, um, the, the current, because we included the Lua, it's split between the two, it, we use C++ for the game itself, and there's a whole plethora of C++ libraries that we, uh, use to do that stuff. Um, you know, we have the networking because it's online. Uh, we have Box2D for physics. Oh, networking, we use RackNet. Um, but yeah, C++, there's a lot of using libraries, so that's, uh, that was uh, a big adjustment from when we moved from GameMaker was learning how to, these, how setting up libraries works and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the um, Lua is the other language we use. The scripting and that kind of is where the actual game objects are made and stuff, because in C++ we kind of bring together all the libraries and link them to Lua, and I don't want to go into too technical how it works, and, but because we are, especially Connor and I, the sort of figureheads of making the game, we, um, uh, we, we like to program in scripting languages like Lua, so, um, 
that's why we. That's part of the reason. Another one of the reasons we included the Lua was so we could uh, be more comfortable with how we are programming objects and things again. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, over in our IRC chat, uh, a member named Joe just asked a question. Did you guys have knowledge of C++ and other programming languages before using GameMaker? Um, I, I'm not sure if Alan had any experience, but literally GameMaker was definitely the start of me making games. Like, I mean, I, I worked in RPG Maker, if anyone's familiar with that um, mm-hmm. whole ordeal. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's where I started. I'm, I think, I'm not sure about Alan, though. Um, yeah, me too, basically. I had been looking for other places to make games before that. I was, I knew I wanted to make games before I found Game Maker. I was, uh, man, I did so many different things. It started with making, um, scenarios in Age of Mythology and Age of Empires. So setting that up was kind of like programming, kind of introduced me to the programming concepts and stuff. And then I was looking for what to program in. I happened upon Visual Basic for some reason, so I learned Basic and realized I couldn't do anything with it that I wanted to. So I gave up hope for a little while until I found Game Maker, and that's when I really did learn how to how to make games, things like that. And then, uh, for Shaping Tale, Tale, that was the first reason that I moved away from Game Maker and learned C++, and then basically everything I know from there. Alright, so apparently you guys are getting a bit of an echo. That's not good. A little bit. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, okay. so yeah, we weren't really very, um, it's not like we were making games for years and we have industry experience and now we're making this awesome MMO. It's kind of like, um, um, if you guys have ever heard of a video game called Last Chaos, which is another MMO, um, I was playing that game and I got really, really mad at just the fact that like you couldn't really work together. And then I was like, you know what, I can make my own game. And like that's literally how I started. It wasn't like, let me go to school for programming or... Let me, you know, like, I just, just wanted to make a better game because that game sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really how it started. And then a Shapian's Tale came right out of that. Like, literally a few seconds after shutting my computer in anger, I drew up some characters and was like, hey, this would be cool. And then over the last three years, it expanded and grew into this being this huge um, project we call a Shapian's Tale. Nice. Yeah. All right, Joe asks another question. Um, which is why I wanted to get that out of the way before I forget about it. Uh, he yep. asked, have they found that GameMaker doesn't meet their needs, or do they switch due to other reasons? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely because GameMaker couldn't handle um, what we were trying to accomplish. I mean, it, it, it could in the beginning of the project, um, but like I said, the project grew, so by the time we were like, we thought we were almost done, we realized that GameMaker was lagging terribly. I mean, and it was probably because of the fact that we were just not very good as we, uh, compared to what we are now, but um, there's just a lot. The game is so huge that, it, it one, it, it's it's really about the amount of flexibility and control we have, and we have all the control we need with C++. Like, we don't have to worry about GameMaker messing up somewhere and we can't <laughs> do anything about it. One wonderful example of why GameMaker wasn't going to work out, and this was something we didn't know when we switched to C++, but... Um, the way we the way we work, the game works out is instead of being one huge world, it's split up into separate like rooms, um, and uh, these that means every room is a separate coordinate system with different physics and things like that. 
And setting something up like that in Game Maker would have been a real pain. That was something we hadn't, like, uh, even, like, that wasn't even on our mind at the time. But in retrospect, it was like, there are a lot of things that opened up. I think being in C++ opened up a lot of possibilities we hadn't even think, thought of before that. Yeah, I mean, especially gameplay-wise, like, the game itself got so much more, like, there's a lot more um, features that we put into it, like races and um, all these other things that you could add in there, like, for your character, all the customization, um, mercantile, uh, scroll crafting, all, actually just crafting in itself, like, there was a lot of things that we were like, yeah, it'd be cool if you could make your own sword, but, like, if we didn't move into C++, um, at the time we did, we wouldn't have came up with, you know, so many good features and, um, rounded everything off and, you know, wrote everything down and planned it out for two years. Um, if we didn't move into C++. So, we moved there because it wasn't good enough, and moving there made things so much better. Yeah, a lot of people... Have, I can't talk. Uh, a lot of people have switched to uh, C++ or other things just because GameMaker doesn't satisfy their needs. I think it's a good starting place, though. Anybody but yeah, it is. Yeah. Like anybody, anybody who starts making games, like they want to start making games, my direction to point them is game maker always because it's it doesn't it's it's not really like oh here's how you can learn how to program it's it's really the game design um that you learn you really know how to work from the inside out using maker yeah uh well well i i i should say i'm a i'm sorry wait one second that the echo from bread is just uh Okay, thank you, Brett. I will say that I've tried a whole lot of other stuff than Game Maker, but I, but I generally always go back to it personally because, I uh, because it seems like it just uh, it's very easy for me. I don't, I just find C plus plus pretty hard for me to do. That's true. I still make games in in Game Maker, and we do all of our prototyping in Game Maker, and it's because Game Maker is very, very, very convenient. There's nothing out there that makes making a game as easy as Game Maker, I don't think. That I, nothing I've ever, you know, heard of. You'd think it'd be bigger than Game Maker if it was. Yeah. But, but yeah, I definitely agree. Game Maker is useful for a lot of things. It's just, for this particular game, the more we tried making it in Game Maker, the more we realized that we needed to move on. And so that's Mm -hmm. It is a slower game than people are used to. When you're making a game in Game Maker, you think, oh, you should have so much more done by now. But in C++, there's, um, you know, there's more control, but that means there's yeah. more to do. Well, imagine it like this. We programmed Game Maker, and now we're making a game. You know what I mean? It's like we've remade our own engine. We programmed a lot of stuff that wasn't just... It wasn't game, game logic, you know. It, it was just a lot of stuff to just make a program like Game Maker. <laughs> Um, that's kind of how it worked out. That's why we've been spending so much time on it, because we moved to C++. So it definitely was pretty bad on time. Like, we, we would have had the game out probably years ago if we didn't. But if we didn't move, the game would have sucked. So it's it, pretty good trade-off. I see uh, Brian Fetcher in the chat room on the side of C++. <laughs> yeah. On the chat room in the, in the Skype chat. <laughs> What do you do? You hate do you hate Game Maker now, Brian? Uh, okay, it, it's okay. He says yes. He's hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know, Game Maker, I find myself going back to Game Maker, like, every day. Like, literally, ten minutes before this interview, I was making a game in Game Maker that I thought of last night. So, it's not something that, like, I don't think Game Maker is terrible, but one thing I realized that Game Maker is great for is rapid prototyping. Like, if you have an idea, and, you know, rather than just getting it down on paper, you can get it down in Game Maker in, like, you know, 30 minutes, and be like, alright, yeah, that's cool. Like, that works. I like that. But rather than drawing it on paper... Which um, I still tend to do, but I still think Game Maker is just great for prototypes. My favorite's a whiteboard. <laughs> whiteboard oh my god, whiteboards so are amazing. I'm oh, sorry, Ian. Sorry. Um, anyways, uh, now that I've got my finish out of the way, this is awkward. Hey, Ian, could you boost your microphone a little bit? Yeah. I could if, you know, Windows weren't retarded on my new computer. Well, that sounds better. That sounds a lot better. Did you even do Just anything? Just my hand over the mic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. So, any any other questions or? Um. Creative bunch over at the GMC IRC uh, asked, "Has Overreact ever gotten so frustrated with the game that they stopped working on it for a length of time?" And oh was- my God! Like that. That is like. Something, it seemed like religious for us to do that. We did it all the time. Um, we were making this game. Actually, Ryan might remember this game. We were making a game called Digbox, and we actually had an interview with Ryan for the game. It was for um, Yo-Yo Games, whether it was like Competition 5 or something like that, Alan? Do you remember? Yeah, Discovery. But I remember the yeah, topic. Yeah, Discovery Competition. And it was really cool, like our, our game Digbox I'm talking about. It was a really cool game. We made it. In Game Maker, obviously, and we were doing a lot of projects in Game Maker. Um, we actually participated in the in the competition before the Discovery competition, um, so we didn't really work on Shaping Sale for almost a year. Like we, we planned on it, and we always talked about it like it was a dream. Like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could do this in a Shaping Sale? And we'd be like, yeah, and then we'd write it down, and then we wouldn't really go and make it. We would just be like, yeah, that's cool, and then like <laughs> we would go and start making some other games. It was and, like, like it was there was. A- Time, there's a time where we kind of said, you know what, a shipping sale is kind of a silly idea. Like, who would who would play a game like that? And it's too big and complicated, and all these all these things. We were just like, we're gonna just we're gonna, we have other games to make, and that game uh, is just that's not a very good idea after all. And then what would still happen though is we'd be sitting there and be like, oh, do you know it'd be cool if in a shipping sale you could do this? And so we had this like pile of ideas that we were throwing into sort of just uh, well a pile and. Um, <laughs> And then one day we were like, you know what? Um, this pile is looking pretty big. Do you want to like see what we've got in here? And then we go through it, and then just all of a sudden, you know, we definitely have to make this. We're making it right now. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, the way the way it really went was, um, I mean, it went, it went like that. And I was not lying, but um, a little bit more in depth. One of the people on our team, his name is Charles Kirby. He's like my, been my friend for about like ten years. Um, and I've always told him about the game, and he was there since I started making games in RPG Maker. He would be making them with me. Um, so he's always been on like on the team, if you, you can think about it that way. And one day after the competition was over, um, and we didn't re- we didn't actually submit our game because Alan wasn't online and um, everything was going terrible, and it was just not a good time. And we were like, damn. And then he was like, you're gonna make this game. Like he he told me like basically threatened me. <laughs> he was <laughs> mad because. I told him, I was like, I, I don't think we're making a Shavian sale, and he just, like, kind of went, like, apeshit on me, and, uh, uh, 
So then I was like, all right, well, maybe. I mean, like, let's think about it. So then we started talking about it, and then I came back, and, like, maybe a day later, because I was on vacation, and then Alan comes online, and we're talking about Big Box and how we didn't turn it in on time, and we're all mad, and then I was like, you know what we should do? And he's like, make a Shavian style, and I'm like, yes. And then <laughs> it was funny because four months later, we started working on it, and... Here, here we are now. It was, it was funny because at the same time, like Connor said, I took like three weeks off because I was just, I was so upset that Digbox was just like, if we, we started with five weeks left in the competition, which is what we always mess ourselves up in doing with these competitions, <laughs> was we didn't start on time, so we had an idea that was perfect for the competition, but it was perfect if we had started when everyone else did. So five weeks left, we needed one more week of time to just design the rest of the levels, and it just wasn't going to happen. So I was so frustrated that I went offline for three weeks. Right, come back, and oh. I for some reason in that three weeks, I'm thinking about a shipping still on. I'm like, man, I do miss that game. I kind of like uh, we could go through that pile and figure out what's good and what's not and fix it up. So I come back, and I'm gonna tell Connor like, hey, why don't we like mess around with the shipping still now that everything's off our plate? And so the first thing yeah, after we talk about dig box, first thing he says, you know what we should do now? And I'm just like, can we make a shipping still? And he's like, that's exactly what I was gonna say. And it seemed like, oh, perfect. I guess we're gonna do that again. Don't mean to Finally. go off topic, but wh what did you do during those three weeks? Do you have that thing that's fabled called a life? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to get one of those. It comes in every once in a while, and it's like, hey, I'm your life, and I'm like, ah, get away. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> get out of my room, God. Did I invite you here? No. Get out. <laughs> a lot of people were like, do you have a life? And I'm like, yeah, it's called a shaping's tail. It's kind of been like that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I been mean, I've been working on this game for so long that it, it's kind of we just can't give up now. Like we've been here for so long, mm -hmm. and like giving up now would be it would it would give the right to anybody who's listening and anybody who has been following the project for years to just like throw us down a mountain because it's just wrong. Like I, we've been talking about how awesome this game's going to be, and if we just were like, alright guys, you know what, we're not going to do that, we're going to make a whole different game now. <laughs> we're going to make Barbie Island Paradise 3? Fuck yes. Yes. Definitely Barbie Island Paradise 3. I think that's what you said. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that, that would be an interesting game, you know. I, I'd, I'd probably play uh, it. I, I would definitely buy it. MMORPG? Um, yep. I, ha yeah, I have a question. <laughs> Overall, uh, how many lines of code do you think are in your game right now? <sighs> okay, um, that's a good question. And the tricky thing is, is because of the way... 9,000! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> whoever that was, you might be right. Um, but like I, I was saying... Um, because of the Lua and the way I've organized the project and tried to uh, uh, split some of the code up so multiple people can work at the same time, we actually have several projects that they're, they're kind of spread out and looking at all of them together as far as length, code length is kind of difficult. But this one project that brings all of the separate ones together, it's called Lua Integration. And it, it, it's got this one file that's, I'm looking at it, 1,632 lines long. Um, now that's the longest file in the project because this file basically brings together every single function in the libraries that needs to be used in Lua. But um, my God! But but yeah, the other projects are all probably uh, five to ten thousand lines. So I would 
don't want 10,000, but the, the, yeah, overall it might be about 10,000 lines, I don't know, if, around there. So far. Yeah, so, so far. far. Plus, and that's not counting, there's Lua files too, which probably constitutes another uh, 500 or so. Today, class, we're going to learn about addition. No, but, um, crap, forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh man, I was excited. Yeah, and I just had to like build up your suspense and expectations and then drop down again. I'm not very pragmatic. <laughs> Here's a random question. What what kind of uh syntax formatting do you guys like? Do you like it all spaced out or do you like it crunched together like a lot of JavaScript um, users do? Okay. So it's it, hold on, can I have the echo turned oh, off? Sorry. Thank you. Okay. So anyway, um, so yeah, it's there's not exactly a standard. Uh, in the past, we've tried to enforce a standard. You know, like everyone needs to, you know, this is how you should do your function calls and declarations and how your classes should look. But the problem with standards is every time you have a new guy come in for, for a little while to do this or work on this with you, he has to be taught that. And if you can't enforce it with him, then your code's ba there's no basically no point in having a standard because that's the point of having it so that you can read other people's code. So uh, we kind of just say do what's comfortable for you, right? There's certain rules about like what's allowed to be in a file, like don't put um, using namespace std in a header file, for example. So I don't like that. I don't like using namespaces in any header, header files. If you know in C++, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, mm -hmm. but the uh, lost my train of thought. Sweet. Oh, but the code formatting. My, personally, I like to do it like a Java writer, where you know the brackets are on the same line as the thing. Uh, like if I write a class name then I put a bracket right after it I don't put too much space between lines like I like um, I like to have everything kind of packed together if it's spread out you have more scrolling through to do um, but I do try to comment everything a lot as well so there's a lot of my screen is normally about half black with little blue and red spots and then half green because <laughs> so I try to comment everything on the same line as I write it and basically for me um, programming is kind of not my friend. It's, uh, it, it's there when I need it to be there, but I'm not very good at <laughs> programming just in general. Uh, so that wouldn't be a really good question for me if you were like, how do you like your programming? I'd be like, um, working. would probably be my, uh, my comment on it. But, yeah. Um, um I, I mean, anyone have any questions about the art? Because I can totally answer questions about that. What what uh what tools do you primarily use to make the game? I mean, what what uh IDE you do you uh, all use? Well, I'll let Connor answer that question since he was itching for an art question. I'll let him start with oh. the art department, and then I'll follow up with the program. I mean, well, our art programs that we use are I mean they're pretty obvious when you when you're making a two D game. I mean, we're not using Maya, you know what I mean, or or any other. 3D, program, 3D modeling program, but we, we're using a you know the basic Photoshop and Illustrator, um, and and believe it or not, like when I'm organizing my animations, I literally open up GameMaker and paste in some strips and like run them through. So like technically, you could say I use GameMaker um, as well. I use it for um, rapid prototyping, but 
I think basically it's just Photoshop and Illustrator and you know a good old pencil and paper. I mean, a, a lot of my a lot of my what's in concepts were done in a program called uh, Corel Painter. I no longer have that program, and I also lost the pen to my tablet, which is sad. So I've been using just pencil and paper, breaking out my old traditional art skills, and uh, making some cool concepts. But a lot of the artwork is done with Photoshop. Um, as far as programming, uh, everyone's different. We're, we're working on um, uh, one of our programmers, uh, Tyler Camp. He's working on this project of his where he's going to take his sweet server computer and we're going to all basically develop on that computer through remote connection. And he's working on setting up a way to make that like feasible so we're all using the same program and whatnot. But personally, I'm on Windows. I use... Microsoft Visual C++ Express. I'm on 2010. Uh, I don't really feel like trying 2011, even though it's, I've heard that it's out. Um, we have had people who develop in Linux um, systems, so that's been interesting, working on uh, taking the files and reorganizing them a little bit and uh, whatnot. Um, it's a bit of a challenge when you do that because, for example, the static libraries I compile in Windows don't transfer to Linux. Uh, and vice versa. So we've, we've, um, yeah, we've had not really been super synchronized on how we do how we do our developing in that regard. But um, if you are interested in other team organization stuff, obviously we use Skype a lot for talking, and we use Dropbox for file sharing. I know uh, good programmers would be using an SVN, but that just doesn't seem to work out. I don't know. It never works out, like ever. We can never, we can never stick to it. The Dropbox is just far more convenient. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, I mean, even if it's like, oh, well, did you update it before I go and work on it? It's like, even though that is annoying, and you can probably get Tortoise Git, and we can work out a system using Tortoise Git. But um, I, I don't know. When I when I was in college, using Tortoise Git was just such a pain. Like, I hated it. I just everything looked terrible. Like, it, I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with. <laughs> Like, it being a part of my computer, I felt like it was a parasite, and it wasn't a program. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, I, using an SVN is kind of annoying, but, yeah, that's probably why. Um, Joe over at the IRC... Oh, sorry. Will the game be Windows only, or will they support other OSs? Yep, that was his question. Oh, it will. It will be Windows, Mac, and Linux. If I'm yeah, correct, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll follow up real quick. Whoa. Okay. So, um, the we've put in, I mean, I told you we had a guy who has a Linux, we also have a guy who has a Mac he doesn't work in Mac normally, but he does have a Mac that he uses um, from time to time, and mostly we're using that to we'll, we'll use that to compile the project in the Mac and test it in Mac, so yeah, we are putting work in those, spreading out on all three, and then, if we do our job right, the, um, the mod the modding will be very simply through Lua, which is going to be so just perfectly platform compatible no matter which platform is running it if we do our job right which we usually try to do yeah that's one of our things um are you guys planning on releasing another like online demo soon or anything like that uh yeah actually we were like we were said we said earlier we wanted to release one on um one today uh, but it's going to be moved to probably next Saturday um, or Friday, one of those days, where we're going to basically, we had the one online demo. I'm not sure if anyone here has played it or anyone listening has played it. 
Um, it's no longer online, so anyone who plays it hoping that they see another player, we're sorry, the server's not up at all. But we're going to have a very similar um, demo, except it's not really going to have any physics. We, we already shown, we, we've already had shown the physics and how awesome the physics will be, but getting a demo out there as fast as we, you know, possibly can, it just requires us to hold the physics off for a little bit and then add those in after we release. Um, one consideration is that, like I, like I mentioned, we've been working on the Lua integration, which is... It's it's obviously something we all enjoy, and when and we've made a little uh, test game. We made a test game before the networking yeah. was done. Lua, we made this sweet little arcade game, and I mean, I made it in like three days, and it's got three characters, each of which have three different moves, um, rectangular collisions, and everything like that. So it's very very quick to develop in Lua. It's I think it's faster than it was in Game Maker, honestly, um, for making and putting a game, but. Um, the, the the trouble is, if I want to add physics, it's going to take me a while cause what I ha to do the integration with Lua. Cause that's what I have to do. I have to make it so Lua can talk to Box2D and get it to do what it wants. And that's the part make, that we've been working on since the last demo went out. And that's the, the physics will be the hardest because Box2D is um, a complicated system. So that's why we put it off to last because we wanted to get the networking down and Box2D yeah. is complicated. So. Um, and there was this question I saw, and people were asking how much it cost. Um, anyone, uh, I think it was, who, who said that it cost? Uh, oh, Brian. Yeah, it doesn't cost $2,000.99. Um, um, that would be crazy <laughs> if we made it cost that much. Uh, basically, we're going to go with a Minecraft-style release. So this release we're going to do Saturday is going to be free obviously I mean there's going to be things that are added to it that are cool and you're going to see some updates here and there but it's not going to be like the whole game just going to come out like we're going to have everything done by Saturday or you know like it, it's going to be a lot like how Minecraft goes about their business um, or went about its business so we're going to release the alpha and the alpha is going to probably be around five dollars and then we'll move on to beta that will be ten and probably like something like that and fifteen. Trying to keep, and like, trying to keep it as as cheap as possible, but we still need to compensate for the development, um, mm -hmm. and and other uh, things that like energy drinks that we need. Right, <laughs> and a couple other things to mention that are neat about this. Um, for one, the uh, the buying of a version is just like in Minecraft, where if I were to buy an alpha for five dollars and then they came out with beta, I wouldn't need to purchase it again. So you're not going to be costing yourself extra by buying it early. In fact, you'll be saving yourself money if you buy it early. Um, 5%. Yeah. And then, if I... Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, the other thing was, obviously, one of our rewards, I can't remember how high it was, but on our Kickstarter project, one of our rewards is free copy of the game. So, you know, if you want to be cool, you could uh, just put that reward in. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I wanted to mention about the release is there's not really a free version of the game. I mean, this Saturday on till when we decide to go in the closed alpha, um, like, it's basically going to be the free version of the game. We're kind of thinking of uh, making a classic mode. It's, it's really hard because taking, it's like, if we took the internet, for example, like, if we do what what Minecraft did, and we are just like, alright, well, you can't play with other players, and it's just like this, this like mode where you just place blocks and destroy them. 
it's like really simple and you're like oh man this game would be cool if I had the whole game with a Shaping's Tale it's like if we took out the internet and a few features it'd be like wow this game sucks like <laughs> what makes the game is everything in it so it's kind of hard for <laughs> for us to really yeah. like, strip the game yeah, because, features because like like, like Connor said from the beginning it was based on teamwork so if you're you're like this is a game about teamwork where you're the only person in, in the world like okay great so that doesn't make any sense the game would be really silly Alright, so create a bunch over at the GMC IRC. I don't know why, but that's really fun to say. GMC IRC. Anyway, he asked <coughs> Have you guys gone I through see different what you did there? <laughs> have they gone through different styles of artwork throughout uh, progress or have you guys always had an idea of what you wanted it to be? If that makes sense. Say that again, I'm sorry. Alright, have you guys um, kept the same art style throughout the entire thing, or has it changed since you started the project? That's a good question. Um, no. Uh, I mean, we, we kind of had this, this the same idea, I guess, but um, as far as my artistic abilities, um, the game has definitely gotten better um, aesthetically. It looked, it looked like crap when we started. I, I, I mean, people were like, this is cool, the game looks drawn. Um, and that was the idea, was, oh yeah, like, we can we can make everything look drawn and you know the whole world has like the clouds hanging on strings and stuff like that but the game really turned into think about like the whole vector art in like in Angry Birds and my, my favorite would be Castle Crashers so like we kind of went with a style that's a lot more clean cut and smooth rather than like drawn and shaky looking but the whole like the whole style of like hey here's what the circle player would look like and the triangle player like that, have we we we've kept um, and basically have have expanded on, um, but the the art style really has has <laughs> one one big story I, I I'd like to talk about was when we were making it in Game Maker, it was one night um I decided to stay up until ten in the morning so you know it was a it was more than an all nighter, <laughs> it was Lovely. like an all nighter all morninger, but. Uh, <laughs> I was working on doing a whole graphics overhaul, and when Alan came online that day, I was like, "Hey, I redid all the graphics, and they looked completely different than what you like, what you could um, see now. Like when you look at the game, it's like, oh yeah, these graphics look cool. Like the graphics we had after that graphics overhaul was, it was more like we didn't really overhaul anything. It, it, I mean, I didn't really overhaul anything. It just looked pretty bad. But you know, now that I, I went to a design school for uh, four years, I've gotten my the art and design school, I mean, and my art skills have increased, you know, tenfold, so so is the game's um, graphics. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a picture, but I can't find the, the link, so when I find it, I'll just post it for you guys, and you can see what I'm talking about. And you could probably post that in your IRC. Yeah, I'm not on the IRC. I wish I was, but I, I don't feel like getting on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, this has been a really long radio show. It's been it, it definitely has. Yeah. An hour and eleven minutes. <laughs> it's kind of like hard not to have a long show when you talk about this game. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you guys are always really fun to talk to. You guys can just keep me on forever. <laughs> I mean, we probably could. Yeah, we definitely could. <laughs> I think they learned from Chevy Ray. <laughs> 
We did an interview with Chevy Ray a while back. My computer decided to be a complete asshole and delete it before it could go on air. But um, oh. he talked and talked and talked. It was a 45-minute interview. ahead of time. Like, he told us that he always talks for a really long time, and, like, often he's had to have the uh, interviewers kind of, like, signal to him to stop because he keeps going too long, and, yeah. We should get an interview with him soon. That'd be fun. I don't know why I'm talking about that right now. <laughs> Maybe that's what next week will be. Sneak peek, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, I posted that link. That you can see it right there. Those are the old graphics when we were making it in Game Maker. <laughs> Alright. Oh, um, wow, that's totally different. <laughs> yeah, like the tree... Oh, everything about it is just so much different. Like, they see how shaky everything looks like. Shaky and Photoshop, everything just, I mean, it was just weird. It, it was weird. That's like the only words I can put with it. See, back then, there's really, when I joined, this was still the best graphics I'd ever, like, my games before then were blue blocks versus black blocks, you know? This was the best graphics I had ever seen in a game that I was making, <laughs> so I was still like, this is awesome. Yeah. The game has has evolved since then. Um, hopefully, with this release we have coming up Saturday, we can get we can finally like show people what the game's going to be about, and then keep adding in things. And hopefully, in the next maybe year, we'll have some really cool, awesome storyline going on. For you guys can see. All right. Well, I think we're gonna cut this pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> it's getting a bit long. Um. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks That's for having awesome. us. We're always, we always enjoy indie function. Good affiliate. <laughs> yep. Well, I hope to see some more stuff coming out soon. We'll post some Twitter updates about the Kickstarter and the demo as they come out. Just make sure you send us those links, and we'll get it out to uh, all our listeners and readers and viewers and whatnot. So, yeah. All right, well, thanks for being on the show. And, uh, All right, later. thanks for having us. Come on, user. <laughs> So, uh, if anyone wants to Hello. ask us or comment on anything in the IRC, there. come on, you know, just Don't talking there. Um, you can ask us questions about the show, questions about any function in general. Maybe suggest something that you'd like in a future show. Maybe an interview with uh, somebody that you'd like. A game review for the magazine. Although then again, the magazine's still on the um, on a hiatus or hiatus, however the frick you say it, I don't know anymore. Okay, JKick asks, what do you think of the Google Entertainment System? Is it a possible haven for indies? 
Um, Ian, what is the Google? I seriously what? entertainment system. Um, um, JK, can you give us a link? Yeah. I mean, we could probably Google search it, but we're lazy. <laughs> Google search for something made by Google. All right. Ah, the jazz. That sounds so wrong. Jeez. Okay. So yeah. Expected to be priced from fifty dollars to one hundred dollars, plus tax. All right. So let's look at this. Um. The Google Entertainment System for Home. Oh, system. That's that's yeah. the major word right there. You oh wow, it's that. It, you can run Graphics a full to Xbox 360. ARM oh, play Android games powered by Google TV. Oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, oh, this is definitely going to be a big thing for indies. How, how come this is not like raping the news right now? Because Google's trying to keep it dark. Oh. Okay, it plays all Android games on HDTV. That is amazing. Graphics comparable to Xbox. Serve as a USB host. Can act as Wi-Fi hotspot. Okay, Google expected to brand the hardware, but also allow hardware and software to be open source. Only fifty to ninety dollars. I mean, fifty to a hundred dollars. Dude. And it's coming in March. All right, if this is a real thing. Um. We're definitely going to keep updated on this. this. This could be a really big thing for indies and uh, just the game development place as a whole since Google's going to be jumping in, if, if it's real. I mean, there's always a chance that it's just a rumor or... I don't know. <laughs> Gasp. Alright. Um, uh, this is on Google+. Plus. Let's see if I can figure out how to plus... There we go, plus I think one. that's the 12th orgasm today. Uh, any other... Questions while Brett goes and tries to figure out something else about it. Alright, so basically Neo Talent said, Oh, Joe put two question marks, and Jake said, It'll be awesome if real. In parentheses, I hope so, so much! Exclamation, exclamation points. Yeah, the first explanation point was just an exclamation. It was not right there. Yeah, it wasn't even a point, obviously. It was really awkward. It was so it was overrated. Okay, um... Yeah, this is just awkward because... Yeah, this is really awkward. Happening. Somebody needs to ask another question or say, uh, we love you or... or ask for some something. shameless advertising. Alright, so Joe said, hey, would you guys give a mention for my game on Indie... De uh, indie DB, yeah, and obviously we just did. Um, so no, we won't. We just crap. Ian, quit being such a dick. Anyway, um, it's called yeah. the Ninth Wizard, Rings of Eternity by Epic Vessel Games. Uh, the release date to be announced or determined, whatever. Same thing, pretty much. Um, there's a video on here. Vlogs. Looks pretty cool. Alright, um. Looking uh, at some of the graphics. Or er, screenshots, same thing. Um. <laughs> I like the graphic style. And. I'm not quite sure. Okay, so the introduction is set in a realm of danger and darkness. The ninth wizard, Rings of Eternity, is a roguelike adventure slash RPG. 
Utilizing randomly generated dungeons, hundreds of items, monsters, and quests, the game strives to provide a fun experience that is true to the genre. With much of our engine complete, we are now looking to polish our gameplay mechanics and include all original artwork. We are working with Chiptune artist Comptroller to ensure that the experience each player has is unique, intense, and fun. We are active, ac <clears throat> actively seeking community feedback and support. We will be releasing development videos each week with some supplementary articles and updates. Our goal is to create a fun game that incorporates the comments and ideas of the greater community. It uh, definitely sounds cool. Um, okay, um, sir, uh, apparently he has to ask, uh, what do you guys think is the best computer language for e-game development? Wait a second, um, where is that? Oh, there we go. That is a difficult question. That's like asking, what do you think the best country in the world? Oh, wait, no, that's not. Well, uh, ladies first, so Brad, go ahead. Oh, God. Um, right now, I'd have to say... For indie game development, um, probably one of the C languages because you can use Objective C and program for iOS devices. Uh, C is super powerful, of course, and C Sharp allows you to develop for the Xbox consoles, so any of those C languages are just, you know. Um, and then another one, you know, this one's rather controversial, but uh, Java. Because you can develop for Android, and there's a big market out there for Android. And uh, I really like Android development, and there are obviously tons of stuff for that. Um, like, I have the PlayStation phone, and that one really just pushes indie gaming to the max. Because uh, you guys, you can program for Android and then have a controller built into the phone, which is really cool. Okay, um... I'd have to say the best one would be uh, D, all of the above. <laughs> D, all of the above. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, I'd be going along with the whole Java thing probably because of the uh, cross-platformness of it. Uh, because pretty much any device can support it except, you know, iOS. Um, and then obviously the one of the C languages, since yeah, if you know Java and Objective-C, you basically have everything major covered, because then you have iOS, and then everything else can do Java. So, uh, again, then of course Flash, and then I'm HTML5 fanatic, but that's rather unstable at the moment, I suppose. So, mm -hmm. Java. Alright, uh, Creative Bunch asks, when are we going to expand the intro video, I'm guessing, for the... Uh the AS3 tutorials that I started posting a little back. Um, I'm probably going to do another tutorial this weekend as long as, you know, I actually get to it. I was going to do one last weekend, but I just ended up not doing it because time started to run short and I'm like, crap, I didn't do it. So if, as long as I get around to it this weekend, I'll be doing a second one. Um, I really want to make some good ActionScript 3 tutorials because a lot of them are using the Flash IDE and stuff. Oh, Creative Bunch also asked, when are you going to <clears throat> when are you going to interview me? The most advanced person with Game Maker, of course. Um, we we can interview you sometime. And stop interviewing the same people again and again. Mm -hmm. That'd probably be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just you know kind of wanted to see how 
they've been doing. We just keep checking in with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if you want us to interview you, don't be afraid to ask. I mean, there's only a 99% chance that we won't reject you, so. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, um, next week, I think we're going to do Chevy Ray, as long as he's not too incredibly busy. Um, I just talked to him two weeks ago, so he does still talk with me, don't worry. Um, but if I see him online, I'll ask him if he wants to do another interview, and hopefully he'll be available and such. That Canadian boy. And uh, if not, there are some people that we could interview or want to be interviewed and such. Okay, the IRC right now is just... I don't even know anymore. Um, Jkick asks, do you, do you think we'll see more indies developed for consoles in coming years, or less? I definitely think more, because if you take the um, the 3DS, a lot of people are developing... Or a lot of indies have been developing for that, such as uh, Edmund McMillan and such. Uh, like, there's VVVVV... No, did I say that right? V V V V V. There we go. Wait, you have to count out whenever you say it. Yeah, I know you gotta. I usually just do two and then three sets of two. Yeah, whatever. I guess um, it works. V V V V V V. And then there's uh the Binding of Isaac, which is going to be ported to that. I've heard, not confirmed. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> and um, there's also Bit Trip, I believe, and that that's been on Wii. Uh, that that one's everywhere. Um, I I didn't even know it was indie because I've seen it so many places, but um, it it is indie for those. Um, yeah, and then uh, the Vita that just came out, the PlayStation Vita. Well, the the early first edition bundle came out three days ago on the fifteenth uh, in the U.S. But the uh, it'll be officially released on the 22nd, you know, and that that's definitely going to be a major indie thing because for the last year that I've been keeping updated on it, I've seen a few indie developers working on games for it, and um, they're probably some of the best games that I've actually seen for the console, which is kind of interesting. Such as this one where the entire game revolves around music, everything that you do... Like, when you touch something, it makes a sound, and then when you jump, it makes a sound, and when, um, the, uh, I, I don't even know, everything makes a sound, which is really cool. And that probably looks like the most fun Vita game out there. And then with Android and iOS, you know, the possibilities are endless. You know, the indie game market is definitely going to be getting big and on more consoles as the years go on, and I'm really excited to uh, see it expand. However, I am a bit afraid that if it expands too much, you know, it's going to lose its indie touch. So, uh, yeah, the Google App Store, too. I love the Google App Store. Though, uh, the one thing I complained about with that is. It's, uh, they make it hard to discover new apps because there's no, like, new app section. It's just, like, the top rated, or... Mm-hmm. It's a kind of... It's some weird uh, combination between ratings and users, but that's 
there's no category for the ones that are like underrated apps. It's really disappointing. It makes me cry. So I can't fall asleep at night because <laughs> I'm just sitting over there crying in bed. And I frown. It's pretty bad. Creative bunch. Okay, topic for you guys. Megan Fox, dot dot dot, hot or not. Alright, um, we're gonna end the radio show right here. <clears throat> uh, actually, we're just gonna go with or. <laughs> or? <laughs> I'm sorry, I, All right. I meant not. I didn't mean... Uh, thank you for listening to broadcast 21 of Indie Radio. For all of you that have sat here for the, the past hour and a half or have all zero of joined you. in there you. and uh, been listening to the end since you started, thank you so much. Um, this broadcast was broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and recorded using Audacity. All music was found on Newgrounds coming from Nemesis Theory and three clicks fill up. Thank you again for listening in, and we hope to... Ha- have you be a part of the next broadcast, which will be March 3rd. Mark it on your calendars. And for you New Zealand people, that's March 4th, I believe. Because I know Creative Bunch is from New Zealand. So, yeah. Anyway, have a good weekend. Thanks for listening in.